I do this? I know. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Hello. Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 86. Before we jump to activism. Before we jump in, we're going to tell you who we are. <laughs> Hi, my name is Lori Krieg and I am the executive director of Hole in My Heart Ministries and we're coming at you from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I am here with licensed therapist, plaid personality. Mm. Hmm. I don't know even what that means, but it was a funny alliteration in my mind. But also my husband, Matt. Welcome, Matt. Thank you. Also has one eye that is very swollen, almost shut. What's the deal with that? Uh, well, it's a, it's a good story, but I have poison ivy Ooh. on my face. <laughs> that wasn't a very good story, but I liked how you said on my face. Okay, let's finish the introductions. We'll come back to that. We also have our producer and the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hello, it's good to be back. I know, it is. It's so great to be back in the saddle. We just did all sorts of hours of bloopers before we pushed record. Actually, (laughs) you were recording, so we'll see what shows up at the end. Mm. But guys, we're so glad to be with you who are listening. And it's just the three of us in the studio today, and we have a lot to cover. Mainly, what we're talking about is that whole before we jump into activism. Now, this relates to a question that you guys asked me. And thank you so much for those of you who filled out the podcast survey. It was extremely helpful, extremely encouraging, really insightful, and is going to affect how we do this podcast. Uh, So our purpose for doing this podcast is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. And the theme that we're going to be rocking this season three is focusing in on that how. I want to get really practical. And so circling back to what I was just saying about that survey, you guys gave us some great ideas uh, for what to talk about and how to lean into that how, specifically on the lament theme that we covered last year and this last season. Steve, you mentioned how that was a theme, one of your favorites that we kept bringing up when we talked about in episode 85. But some of you all asked, how do you actually do that? Can you please walk us through step by step how that works in real life? So in episodes, let's think about this, uh, 82, 81, 63, 12, 74. You guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post <laughs> some of these that we talked about lament in to just kind of unpack that. But I think it's especially helpful today in light of what's going on in our culture Uh, We record early, shock, uh, on Wednesday. We post these on Friday. So it's Wednesday, and um, there were some mass shootings, just horrible, that happened over the weekend. And everyone is grieving, but also angry. And um, But that's like not like just this week. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but in the last several years, just the polarization that's happened in our country and everyone's like exhausted from it. And yet we're still kind of angry, but like tired. <laughs> so in this whole talking about how we lament, I'm hoping that before we jump to activism, we do this process of lament because it is going to lead us not just to get weepy and sad, and then we all just sit around in this puddle. But the way that we practice it, Matt and I, and Steve, you've done this, is it really leads you to forgiveness, which can actually lead you to genuine love for your enemies, which ding, ding, ding. That's what we got to do as believers. And so I'm really excited to share this with you all. This is a regular practice of mine, this lament. This is how I can do this very hard job, specifically talking about controversial things without being bitter and without letting anger fuel my activity 
activism, but instead allowing love to fuel it. Okay, so we're going to circle back to that. But we're going to do a little HIMH news. Uh, so, Steve, you asked when we came in. Yeah. We had a baby. Yeah. Uh, so I am no longer, I was thinking as I was coming in here, I'm no longer waddling into the studio. <laughs> uh, but his name is Ellis Matthew Krieg. Matthew named after Matt. And um, he is the sweetest, easiest little baby. And at almost eight weeks old, he's already sleeping through the night. And it's just crazy. He's just really precious. Um Anything you want to say about your son, Matt? He is super cute. Yeah. And is like the coolest little talker. What do you mean by talker? He, he just babbles at me. <laughs> Matt's favorite thing to do with babies is like, you know how they like coo at you? They're like, oh, yeah. oh. And so like going back and forth. It's oh, just we will have whole conversations. Oh, yeah. He tells me his dreams and hopes. <laughs> <laughs> All sorts of fun stuff. Yeah, so we're really thankful. Thanks, guys, for all your encouragement and just words of love. Um, and just on that, too, I know I was saying how I was nervous about my emotional status post-baby, and there were some rough times in those initial weeks, but I feel like right now I'm still battling some things, but I feel I feel okay. And um, what's great is I'm not also battling gigantic theological questions about marriage, <laughs> and I'm also not battling, like, deep childhood trauma that was unburied. So I'm doing okay. So I don't know, actually like pretty good. So I'm really thankful. Okay. But here's the next piece of news. Guys, we're cutting goofball Island. Hmm. How's the sad clown music going? Um, Are we able to do that? Don't have sad clown music because for some reason lately clowns, I've, been seeing trailers for the new Stephen King movie, the It movie, with oh, this yeah. creepy clown. Yeah. Um, so Pennywise. I'm kind of like, yes, Pennywise. Yep. I'm like, you know, if we're associating Goofball Island with clowns, then <laughs> probably better <laughs> to just cut better it. to just let it go. Cut it before it cuts us. <laughs> Ooh, there you go. Oh, ouch. Okay, it, I really agonized over whether or not we cut it because. Mm. The survey, you guys were like very divided. Some of you loved it. Some of you did not. Some, well, like you liked it, but you're like, it's, it's, you're keeping me from the meat of it, which I love that about this podcast. And so as I prayed and thought and talked with people, I decided we're still going to keep some of the humor in it because that's who we are. Uh, we're still going to do bloopers, even though most of you said it doesn't really add any, I don't care. They make me laugh. And I think it's basically a joke between Steve and I he right. just captures things. Yeah. And then I text you after I listen. I go, <laughs> that was funny. So we're going to keep those. Um, well, make them shorter, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but we're still going to do the question of the week because that will help to bring in our uh, our guest as well. Speaking of, let's jump to that question of the week. What is a funny light? So you can do like highlight, low light of your summer. So what's something funny that happened or something deep that happened that made you think, huh? Matt, rock it out, babe. Well, I would I would like to start by by calling out a uh, regular listener, mm -hmm. Foy. Hey, Foy. He had a, a great story to tell. A few days ago, I was walking out of the convenience store, 44-ounce Diet Coke in my left hand, key fob in my right hand. I reached up to grab the sunglasses off the top of my head and put them on my face. And as I did that, the keys hanging from my keychain flopped around and smacked me square in the eye. <laughs> Felt like I got punched. I'm surprised I didn't end up with a black eye. 
Yep. In yep. the battle of Fob versus Foy. I don't know who came out on top. <laughs> hopefully, one. hopefully Foy in the long yeah. in the long run. But I, I really resonated with that response just because of my own eye issues. Resonated? Is that the verb that you needed to pick? I reflected. That's I an know. audio thing. Ear. Right. I, don't. I just felt like it was too deep of a word for something. I, I, it, it tickled my funny bone <laughs> because I'm dealing no. with my own eye issues. No, go back to resonated. That works. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so so my you've all yeah we've already said that I do have poison ivy on my face. On my face. On my face. And I, I was, I happened to be helping a, a, a friend from our small group out staining his fence as, as one does for friends. And Is that was, what one does? Mm. Well, I'm a helper. I try and be <laughs> a helper. Does. Some does. Not one. That's what I some. dizzed. <laughs> does, did. Anyway, we were staining his fence and there were a bunch of like overgrown places where, where I was just pulling stuff out of the ground to get the brush you know, on the fence and I'm not paying attention, must have grabbed some poison ivy and then decided to just wipe, wipe some sweat off my face. Mm. And so Monday I'm at work and I'm like, man, I am itching like the Dickens. <laughs> and apparently Charles was an itchy man. Yeah. I don't know. Oh yeah. Charles Dickens. Everybody yes. knows that. But yeah. So the last, I actually had to like cancel clients today because when I woke up this morning, my eye was completely swollen shut. Uh, and I was like, this is going to be a little distracting for people. Yeah. Some people so, get swole in the arms. So now I'm getting, getting, I'm on roids, steroids, <laughs> and I'm getting unswole in the face. There you go. All right, Steve, save us. Uh, okay. I mean... Now, <laughs> He's like, I'm going to respond to that. See, I, we're getting I, out of goofball. I, I ha- yeah. I need to be careful because we've let go of goofball island. But I'm just thinking about like a metaphor here about like when you're when you're on the fence, then yeah. bad things can happen, you yeah. know, or uh, I don't know. Either. You know, I only know swear words that I can say about like either. Never mind. <laughs> do something or don't do something. Oh, right. With bad words. Yes. Okay, Steve. Uh, okay. Well, uh, I loved what Amy said on Facebook. Uh, I wish I could just Im- imagine hearing her say this, but she said, I got chased by an enormous beetle. Here's the story. Uh, it had landed on me and was splaying its antler-looking antennae and making a dreadful hissing slash shrieking shout- sound like a Nazgul. My what? friend... Lord of the Rings. Oh. Ring race. Right, right. My friend swatted the beetle off me, but it began to chase me. What? Yeah. I ran as fast as I could and kept suddenly changing direction. Wow. Like she's doing the zigzag, you know? Yeah. Uh, in a desperate attempt to dodge my attacker as my friends watched helplessly. The creature stayed right on my tail, though. And finally, I had to stop running. It landed on me once more. But this time, my friend swatted it off and immediately buried it in sand... Buying us the necessary time to escape. That was, are sh- is she sure it wasn't a real ring wraith? It may have been. It may have been. I feel like this beetle had a level of like sentience, like consciousness. <laughs> it sure did. That we don't usually, you know, no. ascribe to beetles. Yeah, uh, exactly. Right. How did this anyway. relate? How did you resonate um, well, okay. with this beetle? Uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really resonate. Okay. Uh, here's what I'll say. Uh, my family and I took a trip to 12 days in the southwest Yeah. Uh, in the high desert. Got some turquoise. Uh, yeah, a little bit. No. Uh, <laughs> we flew to Vegas, rented a car, drove to Phoenix. Our oldest son was graduating from school in Phoenix, so that's why we went there. And then we drove from there to Los Angeles, spent a few days there, and 
I don't know if I've already said this to you guys, but like you lived in California. Yeah. And you came back. I know, mm-hmm. right? Why? Yeah. You know winter, right? I know. Right. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I realize, I know a place is different when you're visiting it than when you're living there. Mm. So, you know, there's realities. But Kelly and I were like, I don't know. I don't know if we want to go back. No, you yeah. don't. Anyway, um, I'll say this. When we were going from Vegas to Phoenix, this is my funny light. Yep. We stopped at Hoover Dam. And it was an amazing tour. But we, you know, get the tickets and we're standing there waiting and the tour guy, we're kind of at the front of the line. The tour guy's standing there and he's a kind of older guy and he's very outgoing and he's like, so where are you all from? And we're like, Michigan. And he's like, where in Michigan? And we're like, Grand Rapids. Where in Grand Rapids? We're like, the northeast side. (laughs) He goes... I graduated from Creston High School. No way, Creston. That's in Grand Rapids. That's right. I went there for three days. Down the road. <laughs> right. I didn't last. Yeah. <laughs> it was a different school then mm-hmm. when he went. But anyway, he goes, um, you ever heard of the Blanford Nature Center? Which our Grand Rapids listeners to the podcast might recognize that. Yeah. It's kind of a thing. Yeah. We're like, yeah. He's like, my my grandparents, I mean, I'm a Blanford. My the, They founded the Blanford Nature Center. Holy cow, hmm. at the Hoover Dam. The guy at the Hoover Dam. Well, hot Hoover. Small world. <laughs> That's awesome. It was bizarre. That is awesome. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, I have an audio clip from our friend Hannah. I took a two-week break from social media, and I realized that I had a network of friends offline and online that were, in Ethan Reno's words, a mile long and an inch deep. I've started to set more boundaries around my social media use while also trying to be more intentional about building better relationships with friends in real life. The fun uh, part of my summer, a bunch of friends and I volunteered to paint a mural in a poor neighborhood and the kids who lived there decided that it would be more fun to paint one of the volunteers instead. Oh, I love it. So mural painting and then also really being intentional about friendship. I just liked hearing that just when people are self-evaluative about their lives and take just steps toward it. You can hear the whole purpose of this podcast, taking intentional steps inside your soul. I dig it. So thanks so much for sharing that, guys. And as you hear this season, we would love to hear from you all. So I'll still be posting on my Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, on the uh, Hole in My Heart podcast Facebook page. Guys, you can still join up there. There's a convo happening <laughs> pretty often, yeah. uh, but I'll be posting there uh, just some of these questions. So we'd love to hear from you. You can just write it down and we can read it, but we may, if we choose yours, we will ask you to send in a, a voice memo like you heard from these guys. So thanks so much. But about me, one of my, I don't have, I've got some funny lights, but I feel like a, my favorite deep light happened actually during labor. Let's talk about labor. Hmm. Just kidding. I won't hmm. share it all. Uh, but it has to do with lament as well and just kind of the ongoing practice. So I'm hoping this is a good segue into what we're going to be talking about this practical heart of the matter piece. But so it was a tough labor. Um, I'm one of the cray crays that does things without drugs. Uh, and so this baby was sideways and uh, so not just just facing the wrong way. So that's extremely painful. And labor was not progressing. And I had my friend Sarah there who was there actually at our last labor and has been with me through a lot of this, the marriage pain we were in. Like there'd be we ran together and there'd be times where I would leave our house and Matt and I were in this like silent pain 
And I would go to her and we'd be in the middle of the woods and I would just stop and start sobbing. And she would just put her hand on my back and just cry with me just because it was so hard and felt so impossible. So she's there with me as this baby's being birthed, who I thought would never, ever exist. And then Matt's there with me and he's behind me and he's like in this in this pain with me. And I am like not progressing and I just am on the ground and I'm just start sobbing. And um, it wasn't because of the pain. It was like, it was somewhat a joy in the beginning, but then it just got to this painful place that I just said, this is so hard. This day is hard. Getting to even like these weeks of like five, he was six days late, like getting there was hard. And I said, and even these years have been hard. And so I just started like praying and crying to God and really like lamenting, which we define it as, venting to someone who can do something about it. And so I'm just this guttural weeping. And then Sarah, my friend and doula in this moment, she's crying with me because she's been with us through this pain. And now this miracle Mm -hmm. of this child coming and then Matt's behind me and he starts sobbing. And so it was like this, it was this group lament. And I'm not kidding at the end of that, like sesh of like 10 minutes, we're all like snotty labor started progressing which like it started moving forward. And I think because it was almost like I was like stuck emotionally, our Mm. bodies and our minds and our spirits are so connected. Like it was like, I was so stuck and it just started progressing after that. But Mm. it was such a sacred moment of where it was just like grieving the years of that the locusts had eaten. And yet also like kind of joyful because this friend who'd been with me through it. And then Matt, just this miracle of us being together to birth this child. It, it just, it was precious. And I know you too, Matt, we're crying for another reason. This is, um, this week is Matt's mom, would be his Matt's mom's 63rd birthday. And his mom passed away uh, almost last a year September, ago, yeah. last September. And so you were crying too, just because she is not going to get to meet our son till Evan. Yeah. Yeah. She- that was, that was a, an unexpected realization. I didn't have any clue that it was going to come into my mind, but it was in that same kind of. 10 minute window of, of lament that, you know, I started crying about that and then told you guys and, and you both cried with me and it was, it was all sorts of emotional. Yeah. Um, yeah. and it, it was, it's still like even seeing my mom's birthday, like reminder on Google and the Google calendar is, yeah. it was hard, but it's just, it's one of those things that, you know, she is looking down. <laughs> she's she's going to meet Ellis one day. Mm-hmm. And it'll be awesome because I feel like at that same time, you know, in heaven is probably the time that I'll get to meet my mom for the first time too. Like really, really with, with without like the the hurt and the pain and the baggage yeah. that she carried yeah. through life. Wow. You know, with her. And so I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go for it. But just like listening to this, there's so many places in scripture where like childbirth is used as a metaphor. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I don't know like biblical languages, but yeah. I feel like groaning is often used. Yeah. And that's something somehow connected to the pain of yeah. childbirth. Yeah. And um, so anyway, again, you guys are living the metaphor, you know, <laughs> and just even this metaphor for lament mm-hmm. that we see in scripture so often connected and tied to that pain yes. of childbirth. Yep. It's it's almost like you just lived that out. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, I couldn't grasp it, obviously, in the moment. I was like psychotic right. with pain. Right. But like after I'm like, this is all this metaphor. And 
yeah, the groaning and the guttural and like the getting it out. And even as I think about just that definition of lament and just like taking it to someone who can do something about it. Like when I was trying to write down today, like, how do you know when you need to lament? And it just, it feels like there's something inside you like that you cannot articulate. I wanted to call it like an emotional bubble. You feel like you can need to get out. Uh, But have you guys ever felt that? Have you ever, like, is this just for us Enneagram fours who are hyper intuitive and inner world? But do you guys ever feel like there's something inside? And even as men, you know, we women can stereotype y'all as like less emotional and Matt and Steve, you guys have been really training me that that's absolutely not true. But do you ever feel inside like that there's something that you need to get out that you need to birth? I know that I have, I I can't think of a tangible moment. I mean, aside from, you know, what, what we just talked about with like the realization that Ellis would not meet my mom. Mm. Um, you know, but there have been many times I think in life that the only way, like I couldn't put language to it and I didn't necessarily know I had a place I could go with it. But, but growing up, there would just be times of like going outside in the dark of night and just like screaming, Hmm. you know, or, or screaming into a pillow or or something like Like that. Like how old were you? Oh, this was like high school, Hmm. junior high, high school. But you didn't know why you were frustrated. I, I couldn't put language to it. I mean, there was a lot of, there was a lot of emotion. I mean, my junior high period was, that was my deep depression when I was thinking about suicide fairly consistently. And I, I know that there were a lot of times I would just go and sit in my room and be completely and utterly emotionless on the outside, yet inside there was just this thing eating at me. What about you, Steve? Well, I would say that I haven't been great and healthy at identifying and processing emotion. Um, My wife has helped me to be aware of this and to see this and to realize this. um, Like when it's coming out sideways, you know what I'm saying? Like when, Mm -hmm. when there's stuff that's, I'm, you know, usually it's, it looks like anger and my anger is covering my sadness, you know, but I'm not aware of it. You know, I just think this is just, totally reasonable that I would be this worked up about whatever the situation Mm -hmm. is, you know? Yep. And so that's where I'm just like realizing I need to do better at lament because I don't take the time. I don't invest in that sort of self care, you Mm -hmm. know? Totally. Yeah. Cause I mean, it takes a lot of introspection. It it takes like being willing to, to actually look at the feelings and and not just gloss it over with the anger, which yeah, talking about coming out sideways, like such a good way to put that, it. That's exactly how it tends to come out right. is is through anger or, or 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 stoicism. Sure, you know, and then that can turn into all sorts of different behavioral things just to numb the pain and and everything. But yeah, it takes that very concerted effort to to introspect and actually say what what is going on here underneath the surface right which men in general and women just people have not been given license to a not only feel but then b to like actually dig beneath the surface so i actually wrote down a list of like when do you what are the sideways ways that it comes out and so the first one i had was you're either over angry sad or anxious about something so you're like yeah i should be this mad about the 
coffee not percolating at 110 degrees, you know? <laughs> like when you see those people, there's usually something underneath. So over mad about something. So you're at a 10 out of 10 when maybe you should be at a five. Mm-hmm. Or you're under angry, sad, or anxious. So you see like a major car accident and you're like, why don't I care about this? Or a shooting. And it may just be like, I'm totally numbing out. Like I can't handle anymore. Or you're like, what is going on? But it's just, you're either over or under. Hmm. Or you're bitter and haven't forgiven. So when you talk about X, Y, Z person. So I don't know if you guys ever have done this where you're like, you're always bringing up your mom or you're always bringing up that person or Trump or whatever, like whoever is your person. And you you think to yourself, why is no one else getting it as much as I am? Like you're, you keep kind of waiting for that person to get just as mad with you, but you're bitter um, and there's a proverb on this. If you guys listen to the Gospel and Life podcast, I listen to it's Keller. It's all his amazing sermons. He's doing them on Proverbs. And he talked about this one that is each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can fully share its joy, which basically Keller's interpretation, which it's pretty obvious, is nobody else gets it. You are, There's like this incredible loneliness that we all chronically feel hmm. is just... No one's ever going to understand you exactly except the Lord. And so when you're, you can either get crazy about that or you can take it and lament to God. So over angry, under angry, bitter. When you talk about X, Y, Z person, you're just still angry. Um, remember a weird memory that won't let you go. So if you ever just like keep, you're like, why do I keep thinking about that random thing that happened? Like that happened with me. Mm-hmm. Or you bump into lies all the time, like a constant refrain. I'm no good. I'm worthless. Everyone's out to get me. So it's like the same like mantra. And instead of just drinking it in thinking, where's that coming from? Or you can't think. I was talking with someone this week, a friend who was trying to process an answer to a big question. And she's so locked up in the, she's paralyzed over even asking the question. And so to like get underneath that, I just was like, you take that to God. Mm. Um, but any other things like how else does it come out sideways for you guys? Well, I would say this is almost like self-defeating, like it blocks lament from even starting with me often. And I'm not quite sure which of those categories this would fall into, but it's that, um, I'm, a grown man. I'm like mm. a middle-aged man now. I'm not a baby. Yeah. So I don't need to like keep coddling myself and baby. You know, that's like Ooh. how it feels like if I was to start lamenting, it's something in me, some lie, I guess, yeah. is, is saying mm-hmm. that's self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. That's for immature. That's, you know, like... That's weak. I guess. Yeah. Um so in those moments where I probably should s- stop and like really try to look, take a look inside, there's that voice saying, no, you got work to do, suck it up and move on. Yeah. You know? And so then if I was with you, let's say I was with you in a lament sesh. So let's say you wrote out, like, you're like, that's a lot. I'm, why do I not think I can self care? I'd be like, why do you, where did that start? Whose voice is saying that, Steve? Mm. Is it dad? Is it right. your teacher? Is it whatever? And and then like, where are you hearing that? And when did it begin? So let's maybe walk down this path because you start with the surface level. Like you don't have to know what's at the depths in order to lament. You start with whatever it is. So if you're like, here's the lie actually is that I don't even deserve lament. And so I'd start writing there or I'd start praying there, which usually I do write this out. And I 
sit down with myself and I write to God, what's happening? What's the lie? Like I start at very, what do I see around me? So Mm -hmm. if it's what you're saying, Steve, of, okay, I don't deserve to be loved and cared for or, and it's funny because in our own heads, the lies don't sound like lies. Right. To you, that sounds like, duh. Like, isn't this the same glasses everyone's wearing is, of course, you can't sit down with yourself and care about yourself. But to us, the outsider hearing you say that, it's so funny how it's clearly right. something's tied to that. Well, and also, I mean, even as I say it out loud, yeah. with safe people like you, yeah. I can also kind of like hear how that sounds yeah. externally. Because mm-hmm. it sounds mean yeah the the process of externalizing your thoughts actually makes you like honestly assess them as opposed to just letting them spin around in your head and never really be confronted Mm -hmm. right so the next question i'd ask so i just what's happening um i may start naming so let's say you're mad about a person i i think sometimes we get extra mad when we have not yet articulated the sin because they are perhaps saying, well, this is just the way I am. And we subconsciously think, well, it is just the way they are. And so we're just mad at the way they are, as opposed to seeing them as a beloved image bearer and then naming the sin they are doing. That helps me so much when I'm angry at someone is to be like, okay, it's not just this blur of this person is a hot mess. It's they're sinning right now. So if it you are mad at your mom or your dad or your kids or your spouse, it's not just, oh, I have to be extra angry in order to like keep their grossness away from me. It's no, look at them as a person and name what they did wrong. That somehow is so liberating because then I see it as sin that Jesus can die for. Jesus can't die for the way a person is. He can only die for sin. Okay, then I write down, what? Do, how do I feel about it? And then if that's not, see, this is all these questions are at trying to get to below the surface. Mm-hmm. I pretty much want to get to a place where I'm either yelling and then crying or like I, if I, tears show you, you hit a nerve, which I used to make, you know, I've mentioned to Matt, you know, like if it, clients cry, is that like when you're like, yes, I did it right, <laughs> which that's not a good motivation, but it does show, okay, you got to a deep, genuine place. Right. So how do you feel about what happened? How do you feel about God? How do you feel about yourself? How do you feel about the world? And so again, you're just kind of like tapping inside in relation to this what happened question. And the whole time you're directing it at God. Um, I also allow swearing, but you don't have to. But sometimes that helps to like release the groaning that cannot be expressed in Mm -hmm. words. Okay, but then I stop at this point. And I either, I I try and get in my own mind to a place where I can picture taking all this hot mess to Jesus. Now, this is where listening prayer comes in, um, which really, Matt, you call it, what do you call it? Not listening prayer, the like visual aspect of listening prayer. Yeah, the the safe place kind of to lead into the lament. Yeah, can you um, explain that? Yeah, so, so basically to start a lament, because typically you go places that are highly emotional. Um, what I like to do is start people off with their safe place, which is just a place that they can visualize where it's like their meeting place with Jesus. And if it's a place where they feel comfortable, they feel no pressure to perform a certain way, no expectations or obligations on them, they're going to be a lot more likely to be open and honest with their feelings if they're coming and starting at a place of 
of relaxation and comfort as opposed to feeling like they're approaching a judge's chair. Wait, wait, wait. You're saying lots of counseling jargon mysticism junk, you counselor weirdo. How do I not know? This is, <laughs> this is new age, isn't it? This is it? new agey. <laughs> How do I know that this is biblical? Isn't the imagination the devil's playground? This is where you come up with the <laughs> theological reasons why it's not the devil's playground. Yeah, no, I'm just thrown off by the, uh, <laughs> the angle that this took. Um, <laughs> this is how I talk all the time. Yeah. Who <laughs> Matt is needs this to person? lament me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, when you look at lament and you look at the Psalms and you look at David, like he he was a man who lamented like crazy. Like, I mean, there was some real dark stuff that he said. There was, it was very real. It was very just raw Mm. what, what he was saying, but it was always directed toward God. And, and what I'm doing with the visualization piece, one is just helping people recognize the, the feelings that, that they are experiencing. Part of it is recognizing what is going on internally in their body. We're good at navigating our external world. We're not always as good at navigating our internal world. Um, and, and God wants to meet with us. I mean, he, he is a God who left his throne in heaven and came down to earth in human form with all the pain that that entailed so that he could meet with us. And, and so it's not becoming one with the universe. It's not, it's not anything other than trying to find a space where you feel yourself being comfortable approaching a God who is utterly transcendent yet also very, very close. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'll add to some of the reasons I do, because I will hear when I do this process with people, people are like, <gasps> they'll ask me those questions. This sounds, you know, whatever. And, and I understand it. And I ask the same questions, but I was so desperate when I was taught this process that I was like, I don't care if I can meet Jesus because what I'm doing ain't working. Um, and so Jesus often got away to the lonely places, it said, to pray. And the some of the the scholars, they say that he went up to these beautiful hills that he could overlook and see places. But you know what? When you're in your apartment in a city, you can't get away to the hills. And so it's nice to be able to close your eyes and envision a safe, quiet place where you can invite Jesus in your mind to be with him. And um, also, I, I it kind of drives me crazy that we think it's holier to see the black of our eyelids than to envision being actually with God who's obsessed with metaphor. Like everything in the Bible is metaphor and parable and story and Mm -hmm. visual. And so to actually envision him, that opens up your heart to actually have this intimate relationship. And this is one of my favorite quotes is from R.A. Torrey. And he said, we should never utter one syllable of prayer, either in public or in private, until we are definitely conscious that we have come into the presence of God and are actually praying to him. And he goes, he goes as far as to say that without recognizing we are speaking to the one who lives in eternity and whose thoughts are completely different from ours is to take God's name in vain. Hmm. So we need to be absolutely sure that we're talking to God. And so to visualize him, Matt's like his setting this up is really helping us to see God in this space of prayer hmm. um, so that we can really bring our hearts to him. Yeah. Well, and a, a part of this process, because Laura, you did bring up the, the, isn't the imagination the devil's playground? And yes, it can be. It really can. And and in this process of lamenting, as you're taking stuff to God, you want to make sure that 
you're actually taking it to God, which is why it is helpful sometimes to have another person there. And have your eyes, your ears, your mouth covered by the Bible. Mm-hmm. If you see anything that's like, like, you're supposed to go do, I'm not even going to speak the lie. We don't need to put it in the world, but do craziness. Uh, and it's like, actually, no, like, don't, that's not the Lord. Yeah. Uh, or and your ears as well mm-hmm. is what you're hearing. Um, and Matt, we're actually going to do a separate clip of you walking us through this, how to like go to safe place in your mind. And Matt has like the most soothing counselor voice ever. <laughs> so we know about that. done this Steve, process. Steve, you could probably, no, no. probably do yeah. it. So that will be a separate clip. So I will post that just in case you guys wanted to take. So let's say you do your writing. You're like, okay, I just found the, the emotion bubble and I am birthing it. <laughs> so then you can have Matt, your doula. We'll call it the, <laughs> the midwife, and he will help you bring it to the Lord. Like that, honey? I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I think that's a great... The, uh, the thank you. The, the spiritual Parallel. doula? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All okay. right. So in that space, you are going to bring your lament to God. So Matt's going to lead you to a point where you see Jesus, and um, you're going to just read what you wrote to him. And in a perfect world, it'd be great to do this like listening prayer lament with another person who can be doing like we started doing with you, Steve. Like, let's say most of your lament was, God, I don't even feel like I can bring this to you and blah, 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 anger, anger. And to have someone who's, when I walk with people through this, it feels like my ear is like trying to listen to the Holy Spirit and ask you discerning questions. Mm, yeah. And so if you have a spiritually mature person who's willing to do that with you and be like, hey, uh, Steve, ask the Lord, when did I first uh, hear that lie or why do I feel that? And so when I have had people walk me through this, it's always directed at Jesus. So it's not like Steve is praying in this prayerful space and it's like we're just in this prayerful space where he's talking to me. When your heart is talking to the Lord and you visualize him, he melts you. (laughs) And it may be that he actually incites anger. I've been with people who are pouring out these laments that they've written and they're just getting to that emotion bubble and they're yelling at God, but it's like they get all the anger out and then underneath it, they find the sad and it's this place of pain and God, this is so hard. And it can be scary as someone who's walking next to them as you're listening, because you don't have the answer when they're getting all riled up. Mm -hmm. But I have so much faith that God is going to show up. And so I'll ask questions. What do you, what do you sense Jesus is saying to you right now? And me, Lori walking with, let's say you, Steve, I don't have a freaking clue what God's (laughs) going to say, but I am so confident in, in God, um, shows up. So he'll maybe just put his arms around you. And maybe me, Lori would have been like, man, Steve actually needed some actual answers, God. But actually what you needed, Steve, Mm. was God to hug you. So let's say, all right, let's back up to current events right now. And I am noticing in myself, I am so mad sad about these shootings. And I am, I am like, okay, it seems like I'm extra mad. And who am I bitter? I'm actually really mad at Trump. And so I write before I jump on Twitter, before I jump on Facebook, before I go and march in a parade and my activism is fueled by rage, not the Holy Spirit, not by love. I need to go to the Lord and say, God, I am so mad and I am cut. This breaks my heart and get to the sad below the mad. 
And God, I am going to name the sin. This was sin that this person did, and I am throwing it. And, and this is what we do. So this is the forgiveness part of that, is I get to a point where I picture the cross of Christ. And I don't put this whole person, let's say even the shooter, I'm not putting nailing them on the cross. That ain't biblical. <laughs> <laughs> Which if I didn't do this process, my rage Twitter craziness may be wanting to crucify him because honestly, guys, he deserves it. Mm -hmm. So do I. Mm. I also deserve the cross. So here I go, and I'm not going to crucify him in this lament to God. I'm going to say, God, what did he do? He, God, he took, he bought these guns and he did X, Y. So I'm going to say this guy's sin and I'm going to nail, I'm going to picture Jesus taking it and dying for it. Then what else am I going to do? And this is what always takes the venom out of myself is I say, how have I sinned as a result? Or how have I, God, I have hated this man. That's sin, guys. <laughs> Did Jesus hate his, the people who are literally crucifying him? No. Does he hate us? No. Does he hate the guy who killed these people? No. Hmm. He died for him. So God, I'm sorry I hated him. And maybe that's it. Maybe that's all you can confess. <laughs> but you watch and envision, I always envision Jesus in this place. And I picture him dying equally for both the perpetrator and my sin. And then I watch him rising again. And I say in this moment, I say, God, I give up the right to pay this person back. That's forgiveness is giving up the right to pay the person back. God, you, I put him on your hook. <laughs> He's not on mine because I will either be too harsh with the penalty or I will be too lenient. God is the only righteous judge. And then I can say, so if I'm processing that, I'll stick with the, the shooting, which is horrible. God, what do you want to show me or what do you want me to do as a result? Now, in this safe place, God may show me, maybe he, I need a hug. I don't know what I need. Maybe I'm holding, I'm holding my hands out and right now, and he may put back into my hands one or two things. Lord, I actually do want you to go to Twitter. But guess what that post is going to be motivated by? Love. <laughs> that post is going to see him as a fellow image bearer who is a sinner and, for, and forgiven, <laughs> can receive forgiveness, you know, by God. And I'm going to say, I might say almost even the exact same words, but it's going to be motivated differently, or I will go in March, but it's going to be with a heart that is forgiveness and love. You guys, that's the only way I know how to love my enemies is to do this process. Then we just thank God. And um, Carolyn will add this in, and sometimes I do this, but just she'll say, and Lord, I take back the ground I gave to the enemy and I give it back to you. Because whenever we have this bitterness in our heart, we are giving ground to the enemy and that's none of our goal. Okay. So this was heavy. This was a lot. <laughs> this was a good first episode back. Guys, any other thoughts on this? Any questions or I don't know, is this something possible we could do? I mean, it's definitely possible. And, and honestly, like it, I, I know we're talking about lament, but the same process is something you can also do with your joy, Ooh. like to, to, to really take that joy to God. And I know a lot and my, I'm talking to myself primarily here. I do not get overly happy. Mm. And part of that, as I read Brene Brown is because that is a way that I protect myself from being let down mm. if things turn a different direction. But if, if we're unable to be open with our, our, our joy, we can't really expect to be open with our sorrow either. 
and, and, and vice versa, and, and, and do you think? And, and I think it does work both both ways in a lot of cases. Because you can't, she says this, is that you can't selectively numb emotions. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to constrict the whole thing, the whole range. Mm. Um, and, and so to, to make this process, if there's, if there's anything that you could get out of this, yes, lament and, and understand what it is, but, but also just understanding really that the God that we go to is a God who wants all of us, mm. not just yeah. the happy, not just the sad, not just the stoic, not just the put together, not just the broken, all of it. There's the map moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, seriously, I'm going to take a lot away from tonight. Oh. Um, just because, and I, I mean, like I talked a little bit about it before our break, I've felt sort of shut down. Yep. You know, this year of self-discipline so far um, has kind of become just, I don't know, just sort of doing and not feeling. Um, so that idea that it's just kind of all getting, how'd you put that? Constricted. Constricted. Yep. Man. So good. Shoot, guys. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm going to actually end this podcast in prayer because I feel like I just kind of want to commission this season and mm -hmm. it just seems right. Um, and then, yeah, then we'll just post the separate little five minute ditty that Matt's going to do of, it's really sweet. I, I hope <laughs> I'll probably listen to your voice, honey, and <laughs> go to safe place with Jesus. So, all right, I'm going to end it in prayer. God, thank you for this podcast. And we know it's yours because I didn't want to do it. <laughs> and you encouraged it. So thank you, God, that we get to rely on you. And Father, I just pray over Steve. I pray over Matt. I pray over me. I pray over every single person listening right now who maybe feels constricted emotionally and maybe out of control emotionally. Like they feel either the extreme loud or there's extreme quiet um, or just dead. And so, God, I just pray that is not your will. You want alive believers. And so, Father, I just pray that wherever um, your spirit's pricking right now in our hearts, that we would take that deep pain or deep joy and we take it to you, God, the only safe place, and that you would set us more and more free and that we would not fear that freedom. <laughs> we wouldn't fear feeling uh, because that, that was you just so uninhibited. So thank you, God. We love you. Amen. Amen. So guys, this is the Hole in My Heart podcast and we are kicking off season three, trying to grip the, the Holy Spirit roller coaster. <laughs> so thanks for being along for the ride. Uh, we're excited to keep digging into the how. As always, you guys can hit us up with questions. You can find me, Lori, at himhministries.com. If you want to learn more about some training we do, which BT dubs our LGBT walk alongside journey well training, we dig a lot into lament and forgiveness and people walk away and they're like, oh, I just need to learn how to love myself and anyone. And that's not because we're so brilliant. It's because, again, we're just trying our best to follow the Holy Spirit. And this is this is God's whole ministry and work that we didn't want to do. And he's saying, I want it done. So grab my hand and we're going to go. Uh, but our question of the week for next week, we're talking to Rebecca Lyons. Uh, she's got a new book coming out. That's really, it's really sweet, really practical about walking well with Jesus. 
But we'd love to hear from you. When was it time? This is one of my friend's rules for listening prayer is she's like, if I'm 90% sure it's the spirit prompting me to do something, I'm going to do it. She's like, sometimes I'm wrong, but I just try. 90% is her rule. So when was a time you were 90% sure you heard from God about something? So you're like, ah, I'm going to do it like this podcast, for example. And you stepped out in shaky legged faith and you saw God do something cool. I just would love to hear one of those 90 percenter moments. So we'd love to hear from you. I'll post this and then hit me up, guys. Thanks so much. All right. For all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you next week. So how's Ellis doing? Good. He's so cute. LL. Cool um, LL Cool J. LL Cool J or Ellis Island or Bruth. We just call him Bruth, brother. He's so cute. He's the easiest baby ever. Really? And he's just so happy. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm. He's just the happiest, cutest so little cute. nugget. How are the girls? They love Smothering. him. Smothering. Yeah. Yeah. I like get oh. a little anxiety because they're just, mm. oh, I like, it's like four times a day they remember they have a brother <laughs> and then their brains explode. Yeah. He's so yeah. cute. Yeah. <laughs> Again. That's great.